1: Ken Lundeen, welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Ken, thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. Well, I'm
2: excited to be here. So uh, looking forward to rocking and rolling and uh, getting into some trouble with you.
1: Well, your topic is very dear to me because I totally agree with you that so much money is spent on training over the year and within a week, the, the salespeople kind of forget it. And we're going to talk about that. But I'll tell you what, before we get into anything, Ken, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing, how you got started, and where you're coming from? Well,
2: I'll try to go through that quick, because that's a lot, you know. Get me over a glass of scotch or a glass of wine, and I could take a long time to tell her those things. um You know, pretty simple. A Ken Londina Associates is really... um the culmination of some pretty shitty experiences, excuse my French, some bad experiences in, in life, you know, and that's in 2011, um, you know, I got a knock on my front door, had my 12 year old saddle up next to me and there's a guy standing on my front porch and there was somebody else standing in my driveway, you know, and it was the second week of December and we had all those Christmas blowups on the front yard and, you know, it was Atlanta. So it wasn't snowing with the grass neatly trimmed and, and dying. Uh, and the guy looks at me very puzzled and he says, um, do you live here? I said, yeah. And so we just bought your house in an auction. And so we had to be out by January 1st, which was three weeks later. And so I had to tell my family and I had to go through that. Um, the short story is we were part of that 2008, 2009 great recession. And there was a provision with that the banking companies were making about mortgages, where as long as you just said you'd be late for 90 days, they'd refinance your mortgage. Well, then what happened is you had the right hand of the bank doing one thing, which was getting us into a new mortgage and the left hand of the bank, just seeing we were late and the left hand of the bank moved faster. So we actually lost my house. Um, And so you kind of go back to that and, you know, fast forward all the, the two and a half years of emotional turmoil, just trying to figure out what I could have done better. Come through, we've had some success in the real world, but then come back to Ken Londine Associates. And really, we were formed because of the idea that I know what it's like to put everything on the line. And so that kind of empathy and that just that cross-connection that I have with other entrepreneurs um, was something very, very near and dear to my heart. And so Ken Lundin and Associates was built to help B2B brands systematically and predictably go sales. And the reason that I felt that was so important is I didn't want anyone else to ever have to go through what I had to, to have to explain to their family uh, over Christmas why they were being forced out of their house. Uh, so that's what we got. And so now we've got a pretty cool thing. And we're, you know, we've got clients in the United States and Brazil, um, and we're looking to rock and roll and, and help companies scale and uh,
1: sell more stuff. Well, you know, I've heard over the years, so many stories where a bad event turned into be the best thing that could have happened to you. And I know you've been very successful. And I want to talk about that success. Um, because you put yourself up from the bootstraps. And here you are today. Um, tell me, Ken, what do you think are the, the things that you've been doing that has created the success career that you have now?
2: Well, I th- I think it's uh, being aware. You know, I went through some pretty dark times coming out of 2011, and I would say it took me probably two and a half years to kind of get over it. But I'd say there are a few things that I can contr- that contributed directly to being successful that somebody can do today when they stop listening to this podcast. So one of them was um, I have this thing called the three foot rule. So if you kind of spread your arms out, so you're making a T. And turn in a circle, pretend that the end of your fingertips draws a circle around your body. And that's the three foot rule. And what that means is this I put no emotional energy into anything I can't control. And so that three foot, kind of that three foot radius or diameter that goes around me is an indication that says to me, if I can't control it, I'm going to put no energy into it. Like, not no energy, but no emotional energy. Because so often today, people get invested in things they just, have no hope of changing. It's like, Hey, if Bob over there, will just do his job different. I'll be happy. Eh, good luck. Bob doesn't care about you. Yeah. So, so I'd say one of those was the energy, and, you know, and the second thing really was, cause that protects me. But the second thing, a part of that was just absolutely going after the things that I had control of. Um, there was a moment in October 2017, where I made a decision that changed the scope of the the last four years. And so, you know, we all get ahead of ourselves and we think, oh, man, I want to make millions. I want to do this. Whatever your dream and your goal is, well, you're thinking two years out. And unfortunately, you don't realize you're robbing time from yourself to be successful today. So in that October, I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the best version of myself in every single meeting with a client or customer. And you know what? I'm going to put my best foot forward in the present. And lo and behold, 60 days later, I doubled my income. So I think there's something said today. Where do you put your emotional energy? And then where do you invest your actual time and effort? And so I invest that into things that I can control and outcomes that I can influence.
1: You know, that focus is, we we hear this word focus, focus, focus. And what you just explained was, the proper focus, stay within things you can control. And I liken it to years ago, my sales manager, and just going back 50 years, used to say, hey, Perone, what are you What are you going to do for a production next year? I said, I don't know. I don't have any control of that. The only thing I can control is the activity that I'm going to put in play and hope that it works out for me and make my adjustments there because I can control it. And that's exactly kind of what you're saying is there's, I can control this, I can bend this, I can add this, but I can't control some of the outcomes. But uh, I think that's a good way of looking at the way you described it, Ken, that three foot rule. I like that. Yeah, it's it's been
2: something that's just, you know, I think you have to find ways to remind yourselves of things, right? Because here's the truth. People are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to hear you say something brilliant. They're like, man, I really want to remember that but they're not actually going to apply it in a methodical way. That's going to allow them to actually recall it. And so you have to find really great ways. We spend all this time trying to figure out how to communicate our own messaging to other people. And at the end of the day, we're not really figuring out how to talk to ourselves in a meaningful way that actually will help us improve and advance our, you know, our, our what we want to advance.
1: Yeah. And, and by focusing on what you know, you can control, you you it's laser focus and you spend your energy and time there. Ken, what what trends are you seeing that you think is impacting your industry at this point?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I think there are a lot of them. Um, so I think one of them is this, what I would call kind of ridiculous idea that virtual that virtual selling is new. I think that's the first thing. I would say the management of virtual employees is significant as a significant issue for companies. And then I would say that my industry, I don't know, I, at the end of the day, I mean, you've probably seen my posts, uh, it's broken. You know, most of the types of things in my industry that we offer to our clients are absolutely not how we would tell our clients to sell to their clients, you know, sales training. Well, we know that the Effingham forgetting curve, like you said, 77, 77% of what's taught is forgotten in seven days. So you just spent, you know, 20,000 bucks on a training for your sales force. Well, I mean, you should just lit 15,000 of it on fire. Yeah. So I think that's an issue. I think, um, people are struggling. I think there's a transition right now for good talent to help companies in my industry. Um, and I think that is being seen actually at the corporate level because you're starting to see consultants become employees again because they can't build their own business. So there's lots of things going on from an industry perspective, but the macro level issue for companies is, I think ultimately the companies that are out there, the B2B companies that we work with, there's still a significant amount of confusion over how to build and scale sales because they think it's all done in a black box. Hey, pour some resources into this box that's painted black on all sides, shake it up, and let's hope a sale falls out. Um, they don't understand what's behind what's behind the blackness, and I think that's something that they've got to figure out to grow.
1: You know, I remember years ago um, where they would take a hot shot salesperson, and be, <laughs> the guy could be making a great living, or the gal, and all of a sudden, they want to make him a manager thinking that there's transition from what they do to be shared and communicated so other people can emulate what they were doing. And it's so far from the truth. And that's how much they 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 really had to stretch because they had no training. And, you know, it almost exists today. The same concept.
2: Yeah, that hasn't changed at all. There's studies by the Sales Management Association and others that basically say the position in your organization that receives the least amount of coaching, instruction, or guidance is anything in a sales management position. It's it's like the most forgotten position there is. But the interesting thing about what you said, that works across technical disciplines too, but it's a little easier as long as they don't have to manage people. When you move somebody from an individual contributor perspective into an actual management position... You know, it's called the Peter principle right and what yeah. happens in the Peter principle
1: yeah.
2: we're going to promote you to your level of incompetence and then all of a sudden all the work you did before doesn't matter because you can't go backwards and you're looking
1: for a new job yeah that's absolutely absolutely interesting um Ken what what do you think um, what are the elements where some people just thrive to be successful? While while others actually struggle, you know, they're good people. They just struggle to get where they want to go. What do you think are the key elements there?
2: Well, I think the number one is you've got to, as we affectionately say, and it's something that they say in fitness and other things, which are a pretty big part of my life. And you got to embrace the suck, you know, and that means, look, it's not all dreams. Amazon was not an overnight success. They were an overnight success in like 10 years. And so there were lots of problems and things that you had to overcome. And so I think when you really talk about the difference between the groups of people who achieve the great things they desire to and the groups of people who don't achieve achieve the things they want to, it probably comes down to a pretty simple concept. And that's discipline. Because you have to do the thing even when the thing is no fun. And you have to go from left to right or one, two, three, four. And you have to do things in order and you have to be OK not jumping from the first thing to the 22nd. And so, you know, motivation gets many people started, but motivation will wane and discipline will carry you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was in college and um, back then we had Vietnam vets coming back who from the war. They were three, four, five years older than us, yeah. but they were so disciplined. They got the best marks. They might have been screw-offs in high school, but they were the most disciplined people. And I you mean, know, and you're a weightlifter and a body, you're a bodybuilder,
2: correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what that means. I'm just, I'm an anti-aging guy. You know, I just turned yeah. fifties, so. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure out how to live my best life for the rest yeah, of the time I have on the planet.
1: You're doing good. You're doing good. Well, that's discipline, and and I think you're absolutely right. You have to have the discipline because there there is a suck element in trying to be successful, and you got to you got to deal with it. Um, Ken, is there what kind of concerns you the most about the future of your industry, if anything at all?
2: Yeah, I think if you talk about specifically about my industry, um, um, I go ahead.
1: No, your industry, I'd say the, the the industry. Yeah, if
2: you talk about the industry of of sales consulting. The thing that worries me the most is that eventually people are gonna, and I guess it's also an opportunity because we don't work the way other companies do. Um, but if everybody's gonna figure out the lack of value they're actually receiving from sales consultants? You know, we've had um, clients who have said, I've said, what was the most surprising thing about working with us? And they go, honestly, and they start to giggle a little bit and they go, and I go, yeah. And they say, the value you provided, because so far I've been let down by everybody I've worked with, you know, and so I, you know, I worry about that. I worry about the industry's inability to change, you know, management consulting as a whole, and there are reports by Bain and you know, a bunch of other Law Anderson Consulting that basically say management consulting is wide open for disruption. The lack of ability for us to harness technology, tools of technology, the lack of ability of us to become practitioners as opposed to just people who say, hey, go do the thing. Um, so there are a lot of um, openings in b consulting and in the management consulting world to improve the impact that we have for clients.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you on that aspect, because what I have noticed is all of a sudden, maybe because of COVID, I don't know, maybe because of, you know, uh, Zoom, this type of thing, uh, all of a sudden, people have opened, put their shingle out and said, I'm a, I'm a coach, I do this, I do that, and um, everybody's a coach now, and it's hard to dis- dis- decipher who is the <laughs> yeah. guy who's a, or gal who's really yeah. doing it, so uh, it's like sitting in the basement uh, and I'm a coach, uh, that kind of thing. And I think that's going to blow up. But like you said, there's great opportunities there. And, you know, I come back on your website. You have, and I want to talk to, about it later. You have a an interview with, I think it's Pilot. Is that the name of the company? Yep, yep. He, he does a great job explaining what he went through and what, the result was after he worked with you guys. So I want to talk about it in a little in a little while. but um, that was kind of an interesting interview. but, it, yeah. but it, it said a lot. It said a lot to me. Yeah, Michael's a great guy and I, but
2: you know and I think you know what you're what you're saying and I kind of laughed a little bit while you're talking about it, that here's the biggest risk for companies. So let's talk about the people listening to this podcast who aren't guys like me. Who don't have companies like me doing consulting, but actually, you know, have real companies selling real products and services. Here's the biggest risk to you in hiring somebody like me. Like, I mean, talk about this. This interview's gone a completely different way because I'm telling you what not, I'm telling you who to how to avoid hiring people. Um, and here's what it comes down to: it's a blood red sea. So, what what you had said was a lot of people have become coaches or consultants. So now you've got this whole new influx of um, people with no experience. And I will tell you, there's a very different, very, very different ability between being an operator in a company and being able to actually teach somebody how to do it as a consultant, because I've hired practitioners. And so that's something we literally have to work through. We talk about the business of consulting versus the consulting and the work. Um, and so that's one, you have this, there's a very significant risk if you've got that going on. And then the second thing is there's been this also exit of people who were doing okay and making an okay living. And they have now gone and they're working for other companies because the talent pool has been so disrupted. And so now you have this like big crisscross or like a bunch of people walking across a freeway and you don't know who actually knows what it is, knows how to make an impact. And so I think if you're a B2B company out there, you have to be very, very particular about. Who you hire and what the actual results are that you're looking for. Um, because if you're not specific, if you don't ask the right question, you may get the wrong answer and therefore not get the ROI you're looking for.
1: Yeah. I mean, the question of what's my outcome if I hire you is not just uh, listening to someone give you a bunch of stuff, it's got to be kind of proven nowadays and and that's all right too because people like you who have a track record could prove it every day of the week what the outcome has been from your clients um so uh in any event i um i think uh you you're right there i think it's a challenge is it a challenge for you and your business running your business right now knowing that that's sitting out there um, it, you know, for us, it's provided a pretty good opportunity
2: because we really, so, you know, I put my money where my mouth was about eight months, eight, nine months ago. Um, and that's cause all during COVID, we were very fortunate. We kept our clients. We actually helped one of our original clients that we had grabbed when they were doing negative net income, um, actually helped facilitate and get them to the point where they could sell their company in the middle of COVID, you know, for like a 15 X multiple. Right. So that was fantastic. So we we did okay during COVID while others were suffering. But it really gave me a chance with the lack of travel and other things to sit back and say, man, what's going on in the industry? And so in about December of last year, we changed our model so that our model could actually provide ROI and value for people. So we could go in and actually help do some of the work. Um, and so for us, yeah, it worries me a little bit because there's just a lot of fluff out there. There's a lot of people talking and not saying anything. Um, you know, But for our clients who have hired a VP of sales and, and then they've had to fire a VP of sales, they've hired salespeople, they've fired salespeople, and they've got this nagging feeling in the back of their head that they've always been the best salesperson in their company, even though they're not a salesperson as the CEO. Um, they know there's a way to do this. They just can't put their finger on it. And for that client, our opportunities as a company are wide open. Um, but I do worry about you know, kind of what happens when companies are hiring people without clear outcomes in mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's becoming more apparent that you need to define that. And it's like, uh, it's its very different today with, with the flood of people coming in and uh, st- stating that they're coaches. Uh, I want to move to this Gov. You have a great website, and I encourage people to go up there because you you spent a lot of time in communicating through that website, some really good stuff that your company's doing. Let's talk about government pilot pilot company. Tell us a little bit of that story, Ken. Yeah, well, they um they
2: sell B to G. So they sell from the they're business that sells to government. Um, you know, and, and he he was um, our prototypical founder or CEO. You know, they'd had they've had some success. They're they're a SaaS or a technical company. Um they'd had some success early on, but then they were having a real difficult time getting consistent results, you know, kind of scaling and selling. And so when we had got there, the, you know, the start of the whole process was, hey, we've got to really solidify our outreach that we can create more opportunities. Um, The month before we got there, they'd only created like three, you know, kind of software demos um, from outreach and outbound prospecting. And after you know the month we had launched, uh, we they created over forty, and they've been able to sustain over forty, you know, demos per month um, with a team of the exact same size, um, and so we we're able to take those results from three to forty a month, and that's a pretty cool impact when you're able to see that. But it's only one wheel of the car, so then we had to work on sales process and how do you hold discovery meetings, and you know how do you manage a deal all the way through. So. I think that's the thing in this industry that's a little goofy. Everyone says, "Oh, I'll do sales. Tr- I'll buy a sales trainer. I'll buy a sales consultant." Well, the problem is, you've got four four tires, and all four of those tires on your business vehicle may not be flat, but they definitely aren't. Don't have the right amount of pressure in each of them, and so if you just try to fix one of those tires, it's still a bumpy road because it's not. I want to fix like my lead generation or my sales process. That's a big and with a capital A and D.
1: And you you talk about um, three programs: market acceleration, revenue acceleration, and continuing uh, acceleration. Can you briefly explain that?
2: Yeah, real fast. That's part of our sales alpha roadmap. And here's what it really means: there's a systematic way to grow business to grow a B two B sales brand. Um, it, you know, your companies may be different from industry to industry. The things you sell, the way you do it. But there is a systematic way that you can go and grow companies. Why do you think some of the most successful founders, once they figured it out, weren't successful with one company, but they were successful with two companies and three companies and four companies and so on? And so we believe there's a specific way that you go about that. So you know, in the market acceleration program, that's all about getting to product market fit. Now, most of our clients have some form of that when they come to us. But the problem is most clients leave that phase too early. And if you leave the phase before you've really established product market fit and the ability to message your people or message your prospects in a meaningful way to create opportunities, that actually drives your customer acquisition cost up for the life of your business. So oftentimes we'll walk back into that. So we say, you got to do that first. How does our product fit to the market? What's our positioning versus that? Then we say okay once we've got that we've got to put in the process of sales and that's our revenue acceleration program which is our staple program that most of our clients enter on and that's about the process of sales that's about how do we put in systematic repeatable processes so that all you have to do is decide how fast you want to grow your company and so that's the revenue acceleration program and then the, you know when you start to talk about the continuity acceleration program that's for bigger companies Um, And it really comes down to you've had significant growth. You've got process in place. You know, you're kind of looking at what's happening. You've probably gone from one product line to many product lines, but now the decisions you have to make, they're not really, you know, you bought a company, you bought two, three companies, but those things are not really um, aligned properly. And so you have to come in and realign kind of the core messaging in order to cross sell and upsell effectively. So those are kind of the three primary three primary programs that we offer, um, and they, you know, basically go in order of size of company. Um, but if you don't do one right, we always have to go back and revisit it, regardless of where you are in your growth as a company.
1: And uh, we're running out of time, Ken. But I, I want to know what is the typical profile of the client that seeks you out, or you seek out to work with. So we have clients
2: from you know two million in sales to you know multi billion, and we've worked with companies as big as one hundred and fifty billion. But I will say that you know eighty percent of our book of business really comes down to um, they sell B two B. They're somewhere between two and ten million dollars in sales. Um, The founder has gotten out of sales. They have somewhere between one and ten salespeople. They may or may not have a sales leader, and they and they have experienced some of the things we talked about hiring BPs of sales who haven't been successful, hiring and firing salespeople, or they have this kind of gut feel. You know what? I wonder if my sales team's really doing everything they can to help grow our company. But oftentimes they don't check that gut feel because they don't want them to want to know the answer. So that's our, that's kind of who our primary client is that we serve.
1: Um, I'm going to close here, Ken, but I'm going to suggest to the audience to go to the website and I'm going to put it in the show notes where to go and Ken's contact. And Ken, is there anything you want to end in this podcast to suggest to the audience uh, anything you want to send to them a report or anything or anything you can mention to them? Yeah, I
2: would say this. One of the things we do, because we really appreciate being able to be on these podcasts because it's it's you know very valuable. Um, we love to be on these podcasts. And with that, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or you want to go to our website and connect with us, um, we'll schedule a free 30 minutes. We're not going to sell you anything, but just a strategic conversation about what's going on in your business. Um, and who knows, you'll get an objective outsider's perspective. And you're free to walk away from that conversation without actually having to worry about us selling anything. We just want to be able to help, but you have to mention um, that you talk to us here on Thomas's podcast.
1: Yeah. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes and I'll shout it out. Um, Ken, I want to thank you uh, uh, for coming on and spending time with us. Uh, I know you got a great company and you're, and I, I love your post. You do a great job of communicating. So Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. Bye, Ken. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at perone. that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at n e c g g i n c com, and if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show certainly let me know we certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful so again thanks for tuning in I certainly appreciate it
0: thank you for tuning in Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email tom at tperone at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C, Inc com and on the subject line type dna include your mailing address and thirdly take the one minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard for additional information click the show notes